everyone. Welcome to the Juji Teta's podcast. My name is Stacy. I'm a Juji Teta, and this is my podcast. Welcome back, everyone. I cannot even tell you how excited I am to have this next guest. So we are taking a little bit of a, a pause or like a break in the Share Your Story season to bring you this very special interview that I did with my professor, my mentor, my friend, Professor Carlos Lemos Jr. Now, Professor Carlos, I believe, is pretty well known in the jiu-jitsu world, especially of Gracie Baja. That is the organization that we both belong to. And he is a fifth degree black belt under Master Carlos Gracie Jr. And Professor Carlos is a four times Masters World Champion. He has been training martial arts for pretty much his whole life. And he's been training jujitsu specifically since he was a young teen. And so I literally could not think of any other person that I wanted to ask this question and get his insights on. And that was the question, what do women bring to the art of jujitsu? Now, before anybody starts to have, you know, upset feelings or whatever, being like, why would you ask a man that? And da, da, da. Because, you know, even if you don't say it out loud, you might be thinking that in the back of your head. Here's the thing. Number one, he's been all over, around the blocks, every block, back and forth. He's seen it all. He's heard it all. He's done it all. Like, I would absolutely trust Professor Carlos's insights on a topic like this. Second, with jujitsu being such a male-dominated art, especially, I think, for us as women, it's kind of nice to know that there is a man out there who is teaching other men that women have a lot to offer that he sees what we bring to the art and he nurtures that. And then he also passes that on to the other men so that they also can see that we have a lot to offer. And then that helps to foster a more um, inclusive, more welcoming, more you know safe community for us. And number three, as a woman, it's really nice to hear a man recognize what we bring to the table because we as women we already know what we can bring to the table and i feel like sometimes we've we have to like kind of shout or fight to be heard and kind of prove that yes we have something valuable to bring and so hearing professors insights it's just it's very validating i think for at least for me as a woman um, to hear his insights and how he sees women as jujitsu practitioners, women as training partners, um, how they can, you know, influence and improve the culture and, and just things like that. So please don't let your gender biases get in the way of you really absorbing what Professor has to say about this topic. So, whew, so there we go. That's what I wanted to say first. And um, I will see you after the interview. So without further ado, here is Professor Carlos Lemos Jr. I am so excited to be sitting here with 
a very, very, very special guest. This is my professor, my friend, my mentor. This is Professor Carlos Lemos Jr. Welcome, Professor. Thank you for being here. Thank you, Jujitera. It's an incredible <laughs> pleasure to be uh, over here, this, spending this few hours with you in this Sunday evening. Yes, I'm, I'm really excited uh, for the opportunity to talk a little bit about this thing of ours that we love so much, right? Yes. So uh, for me as a man, as a man it's, uh, it's a great honor to be participating on a channel that is dedicated for females in jiu-jitsu. So thank you. Thank you for being here. It's the kind of the, the, the goal that I had with starting the podcast wasn't necessarily to only feature women or talk about women, but it was mostly to amplify the women in jujitsu. Um, mm -hmm. And, you know, you, you are the person in my acquaintance like, that I know who has been training jujitsu for the longest amount of time. I don't think I know mm -hmm. anyone who's been training longer than you have. Mm -hmm. um, Cause you've been training most of your life. I think Correct. you started as a preteen. Mm -hmm. Didn't you? Right. You were like a, a 10 or 12 or something, Professor? What's the story there? Well, I started martial arts at the age of 3, 4, from which I migrated to different styles. I did a little bit of taekwondo, a little bit of karate. Eventually, the style that I stuck the most when I was a preteen, I was 9 years old, was judo. And I trained judo consistently for maybe 3 or 4 years. And then I... I had like perhaps like a six months to a year, maybe tops, but very superficially, nothing serious of kickboxing, right? And then uh, that's when I started to train jiu-jitsu. So when I started in jiu-jitsu, I was 14. I had a few injuries, that uh, so I was in and out of the mats. And then uh, when I was 16, that's when things got really serious for me and I started to train really hard. Yes, I, that's that's pretty much the story of my life. But uh, <laughs> it's funny that what made me fall in love with jiu-jitsu was judo, you know, and uh, perhaps that's why I have a passion for judo to this day. Yeah, well, and judo and jiu-jitsu really complement each other; they go hand in hand. Correct. Like, yeah, uh, you know, it's like the the both arts come from the same source, so there there are a lot of common commonalities between the arts and even philosophical elements in jiu-jitsu and judo, especially in Gracie Barra, that we're, we give so much attention to tradition and, and to history and lineage. Uh, there are a lot of common ground between the philosophy of, of judo and, and jiu-jitsu for us. Yeah, I really enjoyed doing that judo camp that we had. Mm. That was so much fun. Correct. Yeah, judo yeah, for jiu-jitsu. Exactly. The good news for you, Stacey, is that uh, we're bringing back uh, Judo for Jiu-Jitsu as part of a program in our school with a new schedule. So there will be Judo for Jiu-Jitsu classes at Gracie Barra Chicago West Loop as well as Gracie Barra East Naperville. And uh, we're starting with a once-a-week classes, Gracie Barra Chicago West Loop, which is under our, the management of our umbrella of schools as well, being a helping Professor Marcio with that. Also going to have uh, Judo for Jiu-Jitsu, Gracie Barra, Snape Review. So stay tuned. Like, uh, we're really excited about that. 
Oh my gosh, I'm so excited about that too. <laughs> yeah, that would be awesome. <laughs> oh my god, yay! That's well, that's super exciting news. That mm-hmm. um, <laughs> that was my first time hearing that news. Also, if you've if you guys have been announced announcing that in the classes, like as you know, I've been really sick the last few weeks, so I have not been at classes. So I'm really excited to hear this news, and also I am feeling better, so I'll be I'll be joining. Awesome. Great news. If not this week, then definitely next week for sure. I'm nice. I'm much improved. Awesome. Anyway, Every, everybody's <laughs> been some way somehow sick. I, I mean, like it's everyone nuts. is catching something. Yes, like uh, it is nuts. I, like I like my whole family got sick. everybody in, in our household got sick, and I was oh sick for over a month myself. Oh my gosh! And uh, it's like, and we're seeing people disappearing from the school, and when they come back, like man, where where have you been? What happened? <laughs> I was sick for several weeks, and you know, yeah, it's crazy. I mean, same. I I don't think I've been there since mid December. So like, we went to the I went to the um, end of year celebration, and then I trained like Wednesday that week, and then by Thursday I was just flat out sick. Oh, I was wow. like, you've I was like, you've got to be kidding me. <laughs> yeah. Right before Christmas too, I was so sick all through Christmas. It was so bad. Anyway, I'm a lot better now. I'm I'm Brilliant. on like antibiotics and stuff it's it's working really well i'm feeling really good so i'll be back soon amazing yeah (laughs) um okay so professor you have been training i think as you just explained i mean jujitsu since you were a young teen but you've been a martial artist basically your whole entire life you've been Mm -hmm. training the longest out of anybody that i know and so i really and i know that you have trained um, in different schools, I know that you've opened lots of different schools. Um, you are in partnership with different people. You know, just you're you're very well connected. You've you've I feel like at this point you've kind of seen it all. Mm-hmm. You know, you've seen people come and go. You've mm-hmm. opened schools, um, grown schools, that kind of thing. And so I honestly really thought like there's nobody better to ask this question because I feel like with the experience that you have and um, the networks that you have and everything, I couldn't think of any anybody more qualified to answer this. And the question is, what do women bring to the art of jujitsu? Awesome. This is a this is a subject that we, we can talk about that for, for a whole week, right? But I myself taught historian, Stacy. I'm obsessed about history. And uh, I think it's the the one thing that Grace Barra does really well, and I I hope the rest of the Jiu-Jitsu community are gonna embrace that a little bit more. Is the the historical elements of Jiu-Jitsu and the history of the art, and if I can rudimentary try to put that in a chronological way, we have to go back to feudal Japan. Japan is a patriarchal society. It has been like this for thousands of years. Even there, women are involved with jiu-jitsu. Even in the medieval days, like uh, there were women there expected to raise children and to take care of the household. However, during war, women also expected to defend the castle. So there was a famous siege in the 16th century 
where a princess, she defended the castle against the attacks while her husband was out there fighting the war. And uh, she was responsible to get a messenger, a foot soldier. She threw enemy lines. He crossed enemy lines to reach out to her father, who was on the other side of the mountain. And her father was one of the most powerful warlords of Japan. And he came and relieved the castle from the siege with his troops and, and saved and saved that, that field, that town. Normal people don't do that. <laughs> normal people crack under pressure. You know, it takes a martial artist to operate under so much pressure. And right then, right there, jiu-jitsu was practiced by, mostly by men, but also by women. And in times of war, they're expected to, to protect their houses, to protect their castle. And I think that's very beautiful because it's another testament of the empowerment of the art and not, not what, what jiu-jitsu bring into anybody, whether you're a man or a, a woman, what jiu-jitsu can bring into your life. And we fast forward to the 19th century. There's a famous Japanese admire that he participated on the Russo-Japanese War. I don't know if many people know that, but the Japanese defeat Russia. They, they defeat the Russian Empire, like that tiny little island. In war, their navy and the, like infantry, they, they defeat them on, on the sea and they defeat that on land. And what was the differential that these people had? Like they're infinitely smaller stature of course they're not the strongest their weapons are not more advanced than the russians their their forces are significantly smaller than the russians but they had extremely resilient discipline personal fighting their wars for them and, and this admayo has a famous quote that he said in the most difficult times i faced in the sea when we're attacked from multiple directions from the enemy fire, I learned something that I started to choose my troops differently. I started to realize that the ones they're getting things done extremely under pressure, the ones they're making things happen when there's despair and, and chaotic confusion, all of these young men and women, they are jiu-jitsu practitioners, you know. And Jiu-Jitsu now comes to Brazil. And when it first came to Brazil, it was segregated for, I would say, a decade or so, only to the Japanese community, Stacy, Jiu-Jitsu wasn't to be taught to Brazilians. But out of a strike of luck, Mitsui Maeda, Konkoma, decided to teach the Gracie family. And when the Graces became masters of the art, they are the first generation of non-Japanese people to achieve the black belts in Jiu-Jitsu. But the most incredible thing is that back then, Carlos and Hilio, the founders of our art, the father of Master Carlos, our teacher, Stacy, he understood, along with his brother, Grandmaster Hilio, that Jiu-Jitsu wasn't meant for the strong. Jiu-Jitsu wasn't meant to make the strong stronger. Jiu-Jitsu was meant to women and men not physically capable. Jiu-Jitsu was meant to make them strong. Because, man, we, we look at the bullies in school. 
right? That that kid that it's so much bigger than everybody else, you know, and many times is an athlete, plays on a football team. That kid doesn't need jiu-jitsu as much as a girl uh, or a kid that it's uh, not involved with sports or not physically capable. Jiu-jitsu is for them. That's what they be. That's what the grandmasters of our art believe. And jiu-jitsu was taught a lot to women back in the 20s, the 30s, the 40s. But then around the 50s, I would say 60s, jiu-jitsu started to become something more man-like because there was a shift between self-defense and real combats in rings, sort of like the precursors of the UFC, right? So in the Gracie family, women kept training jiu-jitsu. The daughters, the grandchildren of Carlos and Hilo, they kept learning self-defense. It was mandatory in their families that women would learn self-defense like it is in my family. I wanted to make sure. I don't, I don't care if my children are going to be... It's not that I don't care, but I, they are not expected to become world champions or to become champions, but they are expected to to know how to defend themselves and to be empowered by the art. I think I think I inherited that from Master Carlos and his interactions with his family and with the with the shift towards the cage and then eventually the popularization of jiu-jitsu in Brazil. The schools at the time they were not equipped for the female market. The classes, the methods, the environment. It wasn't an environment where anybody would feel comfortable to bring their daughters. Bunch of guys training on speedos, topless, you know, laying on the mats after training and just like, it wasn't like a place you would feel like comfortable, like bringing your wife or your daughter. It was a guy's environment, right? But Master Carlos, he always had the, the dream in his mind that eventually, and I'm giving you, I'm jumping like from medieval times to 19th <laughs> yeah. century to early 20th century to right now the 60s to right now the 80s. And then Master Carlos, as he found Gracie Bar, he, he first raised an army of, of incredible fighters, right? It was the, the first stage of Gracie Bar is to acquire recognition from that team. But Master Carlos's biggest dream was never right, just to, to make great fighters. He was to teach Jiu-Jitsu for everyone and to bring back what his father believed to be right for jiu-jitsu, meaning jiu-jitsu for women, jiu-jitsu for children, you know, jiu-jitsu for the doctors, the lawyers, the executives, the the newspaper guys, the chefs, the dentists, the brick workers, whatever. It was jiu-jitsu for everyone. And this whole movement started to reshape the jiu-jitsu community as a whole. Like, sometimes we don't dimension what is the importance of Gracie Barra to the jiu-jitsu community. But even outside Gracie Barra, Stacey, we see the influence of what Master Carlos created with his own team in others right now. And it, it happens more and more and more. And one of the things, it's obviously the inclusion of women on the mats. You know, which is nothing but a throwback from the very first Gracie school that was opened by his father back in Brazil. Just to give you an example, when I was growing up as a competitor, white belt women would fight with blue belts and purple, brown and black would fight together because there wasn't enough women in the tournament, let alone like black belts. So 
I remember the first generation of black belts that competed on the world championships. I, I, I remember them vividly in my mind. And uh, today it's incredible that you have, you have female competitors for every single division in a major tournament, from white to black belt. I think that started also with the movement that Master Carlos revamped from his father, which is the movement of jiu-jitsu for everyone, or in, in Brazilian Portuguese, jiu-jitsu para todos. So when the first women start coming to our school, what they bought, it was, first of all, was a sense of we have to redirect our ways, right? Nobody wants to, Master Carlos didn't want guys hanging out there on underwear, which was the, by the way, it was a was the way that people used to train for mixed martial arts or for no gi was just this sort of underwear short and topless. So like day one, from day one, when girls start coming and we're starting to make the schools more welcome, they made us, or they didn't make, but their presence made us start wearing a rash guard underneath our kimonos or rash guards to train no gi. Even for MMA training, we start wearing our rash guards. That was our way to say, we respect you here. We want you to feel respected here, you know. And I can tell you candidly, this the first place that this was requested or required was in Gracie Barra. To this day, there are a lot of jiu-jitsu entities that are still resistant to the use of rash guard underneath the uniform, you know. But for us, it was mandatory because we want the daughters, the wives, to feel welcome on the mats. Master Carlos had his wife always on the mats with him, next to him, and he had his daughter, Caroline, who was like a sister to me over there, in and out too on the mats. So he wanted that environment to be an environment where other daughters and other wives would feel welcome. So the first thing that women brought to our jiu-jitsu school was the sense of like dress to respect. <laughs> so then... <laughs> No more walking around half naked anymore. No, nobody. Like uh, <laughs> if I see a student of mine getting get, uh, stripping his gear in front of a girl or taking his uh, his jacket in front of a girl, oh, don't take the, the rush guy. Go to the changing room. And they, you know, the new guys they learn very fast. Like we we don't like that, right? And then also like the the language, right? <laughs> like guys were swearing on the mats all the time and. You know, saying, making comments that are not appropriated to, around ladies, and immediately Master Carlos shut that down like hard. You know, there can, could be no longer that type of like foul language on the mats, like no more swearing, no more, no more chest naked. But in another way, you know, the guys that didn't like to wash their geese every day, and and, and <laughs> you know, they didn't. They didn't really care about if their their gears are like uh, with a heavy odor or not because they're training just among men. Like you see a lot in wrestling and in football, you know, hockey, like men's sports, like guys with guys, like they don't care about so much about their hygiene, right? Like, am I saying something wrong? Like the other day I went, I went to teach her, nope. I went to yeah, I went to teach a seminar somewhere and like a changing room was right in the in this high school football room. Like I was in Texas teaching a seminar at Professor Dungey School and I went to, to change and when I got in the changing room with the football guys, like all their gear was there, I say, Wow, 
<laughs> this is bad. It's not like it's not like our school. Not not Professor Dungey's school, but the high school that it was an anniversary of his school, so they rented the like wrestling area of the of their high school because it was a large seminar with a few hundred people. So yeah. yes. The, the school locker room smells uh, different exactly. than Jesus Christ than our, our school. school. <laughs> exactly. So and I know it's when guys are around the eyes only, they don't care as much. But then when you start having ladies on the mats, <laughs> that changed <laughs> immediately. Everybody started to really care about like you know, keeping their geese clean and having a little cologne and like a little a little deodorant, you know, and it was Master Carlos saying that to, to these people too. Hey, ladies over here now. You wanna the you wanted the word to go around that you're the smelly one? Good luck finding a girlfriend. <laughs> 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 like so uh oh, everybody started like what what women brought to our school, it was a sense of respect, the sense of hygiene. You know, it started to to reshape, totally relaxed, regardless way that we had in jiu-jitsu. Normally, jiu-jitsu people are free thinkers, right? Like are people that see the life in a little bit of a different way. But Master Carlos started to bring back from his father and the Japanese before him that that sense of ethics and respect on the mats and and that sense of hygiene that we have in our school the many people that come to our school they say man this smells like a dentist's office it's impeccable this place is spotless it's super clean and your students are all hygienic and when they are not stacy i you know like i i hate to have any tough conversations with any of my guys and girls but if i have to i will because that's what a leader does, you know, like you don't, you don't lie to your students. You tell them the truth. And if they, sometimes it's, it's an uncomfortable truth, but that will help them. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. You know, how many yeah. people lose a job opportunities because they didn't dress appropriately or because they didn't shower or they or because they have a bad breath, whatever. Right? How many people lose opportunities in life because nobody came to them and say, "Poor Habif, man, come on, like, should brush your teeth or should shave or whatever, right? Or you should, yeah, you, you shouldn't dress like so uh, uh, sexy. You should dress more conservative, right? But yeah, sometimes it takes that, which is can be misinterpreted at times. With, but it sometimes it takes that that degree of honesty with your students to help them to achieve the next level in in their in their personal lives. And I many times huh, I would say almost in daily basis, I, unfortunately, I have to be that guy, you know. But I for a greater good of everybody. And yeah, like I don't want to yeah. drift much from our subject, but so well. But I mean, I think part of it's, I mean, it's okay because like this is all sort of part of building that jujitsu culture and you, I mean, being that person who's going to be um, like honest, direct, but not like cruel, you know, like you're going to be like kind of loving when you say it, but you know, it's, it's, it's necessary. And I think that's a mark of uh, having a healthy um, school community is that you 
are willing to do that, that you are willing to pull people aside and have uncomfortable conversations so that the outcome would be better. Because I think like too many times people like they avoid having conversations like that because they don't like want to cause weirdness or like discomfort or whatever. But it's like, if you continue to let things fester and not just with like, like, like um, hygiene and stuff, but also with behaviors, which goes with um, like the culture aspect as well. Like being well, you know, being welcoming to women and blah, blah, blah. Like it's all, it's all interconnected. So like, you know, having those kinds of tough conversations to build a better culture for everyone is really important. And it's, it's, it's a mark of a a healthy culture and it's a mark of a a true leader that you're able to, to, you know, whether, you know, the fact that you don't like it, but the fact that you do it anyway, the fact that you step up and do it is, is really telling, I think. And it's, it makes us, as your students and friends, it makes us respect you even more. Correct. And you know? like, uh, it, it's at the end of the day, it's like, I want to, I want to be able to sleep at night knowing that, you know, like I, I'm honoring the, the, the mission I have in this planet to do the right thing for my students, whether they're men or women, I, I wanted to help them to, to be empowered and to achieve their goals on and off the mats. So yeah, sometimes these tough conversations are necessary, but imagine a word, Stacy. like today, Gracie Barra, it's one of the leading organizations in terms of uh, jiu-jitsu for females, right? We have an entire program, which you're, you're an assistant instructor of this program, with, along with Coach Nene and Coach Jen, uh, an entire program dedicated for and designed by and for females. You know, this is remarkable. We see the importance of the development of uh, of a female, strong female program in the school because the market today, it's also saturated with people that are only offering jiu-jitsu for competitors or for guys, but who are the schools that are really servicing the entire community, right? I think it's important, like if, if your school has a legit program and you want to have your legacy in that region, you must offer jiu-jitsu for everyone. You must offer jiu-jitsu for females, for ladies. Master Carlos believes like in another 20 years, the number of free males in jiu-jitsu will surpass the number of men in jiu-jitsu. I don't know if I ever told you that, but that's his vision. And that's that's why in February there will be a camp only for females in Arizona and there are these gatherings in Brazil as well. And even a GB experience uh, winter camp, that it's the retreat we do, and you'll be part of it. We do a retreat once a year. President's Day weekend, we, we go to Riviera Maya, to Playa del Carmen, the Riviera Maya, stay in a five-star hotel, and we train jiu-jitsu every day, and we enjoy like the paradisical destination. You know, it's... It's amazing to see women coming from all over the world to participate with us and to feel welcome and to feel embraced. I think like uh, for for a lady to be on the mat and to be part of our jiu-jitsu school, she must feel safe as well, right? She must feel that yeah. she's in a safe environment and people will protect her, will care for her. Still, to this day, jiu-jitsu is still a, a, a male-dominant art in numbers of participants, right? And uh, yeah. You know, in being a in a 
male environment, like the leadership of the school has to keep an eye for the girls to make sure like they're not intimidated, they're respected and they feel comfortable on the mats. The other thing I always tell the guys, like, and you've been, you've seen that a number of times over the years, you, you've been my students forever. You know, one thing I want to tell about, I, I, I tell everybody, it's, it's good that we have this on record so they can stay for posterity. And one day, like somebody can be inspired by this too. I feel, okay, like in America more than in any other place in the world, we are in the greatest nation that ever existed. Uh, there are endless amazing things about this country that many of us take for granted. You know, there are many incredible things about this country, especially coming from a from a foreign perspective, Stacy. This country is phenomenal. It's absolutely incredible. But there is one thing I don't like about here, and it's my mission to change. It is like I don't understand when a man try to fight a girl on the mats rather than train with a girl on the mats. I don't understand when a man feels the necessity to impose his will over a girl on the mats because we're supposed to be more open-minded over here. We're supposed to be more inclusive. We're supposed to, that type of ego shouldn't exist in our society, but unfortunately it does. And when I first started having females on the very first school that I taught in America, I decided that that would be one of my missions to make sure men understand that females can be incredible training partners, as good as any man can be, as long as we know how to balance the intensity and the strength when you're training with a female. Professor Dada, is an, it's an exception. Somebody like her, she is heavier than I am, and she is as strong as I am. So... She's what, like 168, 170 pounds of solid muscle, something like that. She's really strong. She lifts weights every day. <laughs> exactly. So she's, Every single she's, day she's out there lifting weights. She's out there lifting weights and she's naturally strong. Her bone structure is thick and her skull is big. Her jaw is like, she's, she's, she is like a fighter. She's built like super strong, right? Like, like a super she's athlete. So strong. She's so yeah. strong. Like Coach Nene, same thing. She can be slacking with her training, but her body, her structure is terribly strong. And uh, she she's has quick proportions. too. Yeah, she's she has really quick. She's fast. She's got really strong legs. Correct. She has proportions of a guy. <laughs> so, I, like you, you're not far from that. You're super strong too. Like girls like this, okay. Like you, you understand. Like they can be intense. They can be strong as long as it's within their weight range. So I, I'm not preoccupied, but I'm preoccupied with 100 pounders, right? When I see a guy, I was somebody's school like a couple years ago, and there was this Asian lady, she was like about 100 pounds, and I was at least a 200 pound guy just trying to pass her guard and roughing it up. And I was like, man, what is this guy doing? Oh, bitch, because it wasn't even my school. I said, stop, what are you doing? Oh, I say. How can you benefit from a training session like this? Impossible, right? So and the funny thing is, like, Latinos in general have the, the reputation to be macho men, right? 
When you go to Brazil, men and women, they train equally. They train in a, such a harmony and beauty that men knows how to dial down the strength and not the skill. And if we get caught by a woman, but we get caught. Like yesterday, I was training with Coach Nene, a Gracie Bias Snape Review. She caught me on a shoulder lock. She got me from my back on, with a triangle on my back. And boom, she opened my, my, my right arm and she caught me. And she's like, are you okay? You tap is your shoulder. I said, no, you, that was a good one. No, no need for me to try to muscle through and rough my escape. I'm not in a tournament and you're not trying to fight me. We're training. You caught me. I'll try to, call, to catch you back. And that trade and that exchange isn't reaching, but you have to know how to train with a girl. Of course, if you're going there to use all your strength, all your weight, all your intensity, all your power. So then that's no longer jiu-jitsu, that's brutality, that's a street fight. <laughs> and this is not what we do on the mat. So going back, the one thing we are always tell our guys, hey, don't take, don't take it easy on our girls because they're incredible. A blue belt and up in our school, you know, she will know how to fight and she will be able to defend herself against anybody. Any weight, any size that doesn't know how to fight jiu-jitsu, right? You can be the biggest guy out there trying to attack one of you guys, and it can be like the smallest of our blue belts. She will put him out, period. But now, when you have a jiu-jitsu guy with a jiu-jitsu girl, and that jiu-jitsu guy is 200 plus pounds, and we have like somebody with 100 and something pounds, it's not taking it easy. Okay, you hear that from me all the time. Let's match my my skill versus your skill, not my strength versus your skill, not my weight versus your skill, not my intensity. Let's match skill by skill. Let's see who's the best chess player, right? And that's how anybody can benefit from training with girls. And I think girls, they also one of the asking what girls bring to the mats. If you know how to explore. A good training session with a female, if you know how to cage your instinctive animal and let it out your rational being, which jiu-jitsu forces to do all the time because you have to constantly think about what you're doing. If you just muscle through instinct, you're going to guess and you're going to put yourself in trouble. So it's an exercise for us to improve that as well. Let me bring down a little bit my instinct and let me be more rational here. Let me be more flexible. Let me be more fluid on the mats over here. Let me be able to progress in a more harmonious way. Ultimately, that's an incredible game for anybody. And you can only do that if you're training with somebody that is much physically smaller than you and lighter than you and less power than you, but the same skill level as you have. This is what I have with Coach Nene. And uh, I, uh, I'm very proud, and I wanted this to stay for posterity, that you were my main training partner, Stacy, for the World Championships of Masters that I won in 2015. You know, it was you staying after hours and us doing hundreds, if not thousands of drills, but you're there every day for me. And I tell that to everyone, you know, like... You won that championship with me, right? And I tell everybody, look, at the time, I didn't have a camp full of world champions. I didn't have many aces to train with. I, I have my female student, Stacy.
but I knew how to train with her. I knew how to utilize what she had to bring for me. So we did drills, we did set sparring, we did we did a lot of cool things that were not physically challenging from me trying to muscle you, but the way I did, by the time we, we had any physical engagement, I was already tired. I was already trying to use my skill only. And you were right there. It, it helped me incredibly. And the results you saw, I had an extraordinary campaign. I, I submitted most of my matches. And yeah, I, I, I won the, the World Championships without having my my world class training partners that I grew up with in Gracie Barra. You know, it was it was my friend Stacy over there. So if men can, can know if first if you you know like I never understood this when I was a student. Master Carlos created an environment where everybody wants to be there all the time. If we're sick, well we wanna be there. If we had a fever, we'd put a jacket, <laughs> we'd be there. We should have, but we're all kids. Back in the 90s, nobody knew anything, right? 90s, early 2000s. Like, If we're injured, we're there. If a class was canceled in the school, we were there. Even though he wasn't the guy teaching every single day. You know, I teach way more classes at my age than my teacher did at his age. But we wanted to be there because the environment he created was so amazing, so positive that we all want to be part of it and we want to be there the whole time. I, I feel like this in our schools, you know, Stacey, and I, I know a I lot of people. Too. Yeah, I know a lot of people yeah. say the same thing. Man, this place is magical. Man, every time we we come over here, I, I, I just, by being here, I feel so much better. I feel so much happier. It, and he managed to do that, but it took me years to understand the magic of building a place like that. And it's not easy, you know, but I think I learned from the best. So if you have an environment like this, like we have in our three schools, I think women bring respect to the mats. Women bring a more hygienic place on the mats. You know, women bring also this element of dialing down the animal and transcending the the rational, logical being. So... Yeah, you guys bring grace. <laughs> that's really, that's honestly really nice to hear from a male's perspective, honestly, because I think like the women, we all kind of, we we tend to find each other, we gravitate towards each other, we commiserate with each other. And, you know, we all kind of, we collectively agree, like we know what we bring, but sometimes we don't know if it's also seen and or appreciated by the guys, you know? Um, and that's not to say that the guys, you know, don't treat us well or anything like that. That's not what I'm saying. What I'm saying mm -hmm. is like, you know, sometimes it does feel a little isolating to be one of only like a couple of women training with all these guys. And so being able to hear from, from a man, like, you know, training with women is, is really amazing because of all these different reasons. Like, that's just honestly really nice to hear. It's yeah, just like, really nice to hear. Well, I think you guys bring a lot to the mats. Like, who is the person uh, any boy will love the most in his life? It, nine out of them will say my mom. 
And I imagine a world without you guys. We all would be in constant war and, and disagreements. Like, but it's the yin, yin and yang. It's the harmony of the elements. It's the beauty, the grace, the the women's touch that it's necessary in any any aspects of our lives. Still, there is a taboo to be broken, uh, Stacy. A lot of girls are are skeptical about crossing the doors of a jiu-jitsu school. Some of them being burned, like going to the wrong places. Uh, no, that's that's kind of also why I started this podcast in the first place. Like interviewing all the ladies, having them tell their experiences, interviewing like you guys, like this is how we build a, a positive culture, you know, um, because I wanted to help um, alleviate that that fear that women have mm. to, to even come through the door. Exactly. Exactly. And, and, and it's intimidating. Like I, it is, I get yeah. it. Like t- t- today is much way, way, way better. You, you, you enter, you enter in one of our schools. You're, it's like you're entering a five-star hotel, right? Like our students, they, they they get spoiled. Right? That, that, <laughs> yeah. the, the infrastructure like that we have in place, like it's, it's all the three schools that we're we're managing, they're they're absolutely beautiful, absolutely beautiful. But uh, it, it's still it's, a lot of places. It's intimidating. Uh, I think it's breaking that taboo, you know, like making that bridge and getting the girls to to feel comfortable. It's awesome. Like I'm very proud, Stacy, that in our schools we have a lot of wives of my my male students and daughters of my male students training you know it, it's it just tells everyone like what kind of environment we have because i would never put my daughter in an environment that is not positive an environment that cultivates bad habits drugs promiscuity alcoholism and it's quite contrary what you see over there it's like health spiritual health physical health you know, mental health, it's like the lessons that we're teaching every day to everyone. It's, it's how to live better. And uh, I see so many of the daughters and the wives of my students on the mats. It, it, it really makes me proud and it makes me feel blessed, you know, to be able to have an environment like this. But again, uh, I'm not the creator of any of this like nobody can do anything alone there there's several people that i can mention that they 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 created that perfect environment where women feel welcome and one of them of course is uh, i have to say it's professor pedroca he's also a father of a girl and uh, he and i had this dream we saw what we don't want our school to be in other places and we being both of us are fathers of females like we want an environment where our daughters would feel comfortable being there and we would feel comfortable to, to have them on the mats. And of course, with stubborn members that never left us, like you, like Coach Nenane, like Denise, like Jen Yeager, you know, you, you guys keep helping us to raise the bar and, and to make the perfect environment so more girls can try jiu-jitsu and be empowered. You know, like uh, this this false sense of security that our authorities are selling to us today. Oh, all you have to do is to call the police, and they will be in trouble. They will get no. There will there there are times 
in our lives that our parents are not there to save us, our partners are not there to save us, the state and the authorities are not there to save you. You have to to deal with that. And it, it, all it takes is one mistake for somebody's life to be ruined. So you have to, to be able to act when when something like that happens. And it's for these times we we prepare you guys, right? Something like that happen you you're there and you're ready. It's it's an illusion to think we live in a in a safer place today than we lived in a safer place in hundred years ago. But I don't think it's only a responsibility of our institutions to protect women. It's also our responsibility to empower women. Because if every guy that would try to assault a lady would get choked out or his arm broken, I can promise you they would start thinking twice and you know they 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 wouldn't be behaving as such and and the ones that would insist well they would be found in a hospital to be picked up by the police like it happened to my friend's uh sister in brazil like the story i always share with you guys right the guy who tried to sexually assault her and she got home she had scratches she had marks she had a ripped t-shirt and her brothers her father like what happened she told the story so then they say, let's go to the police. And and then they took the description of the guy. They they made a mock of the guy's face, right? I don't know how to call that. Yeah, no, they did uh, um they did the, the sketch. Yeah, the sketch, like the, the sketch uh, of the police. Now I can't face. think of the term either. It's yeah. the, the the police sketch. Exactly. So yeah. and uh they they got the the, the time, the place. They got all the details, the clo- clothing he was wearing, and um, finally the detective asked her one last question. Is there anything else you'd like to mention uh, that could help us to find this guy? And she said, yes, absolutely. I know how you can find him. She's, and they said, how? Well, you simply go to every single emergency room in town, and see who checked in with two broken arms because before I choked him out, I broke his both <laughs> arms. <laughs> I so, love that story every time. That story, and it's 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 a true story. You know, it happened to somebody, somebody that I know, to a good friend of mine. I know. Maybe. I'm I'm not trying to like laugh at this at the situation she was put in because it's very serious, but just mm. like the um. This is this whole story is giving very very big. Um, you should see the other guy energy. Yeah. You know, like if you think this is bad, you should see the other guy. Yeah. Oh my gosh. Yep. So yeah, it's, it's it's a true story, and kind of in a world that we live today, Stacy, that we see the horrors of of abuse. You know, like more than ever. I wanted to be able to, to empower children and to empower women because that is evil out there. And uh, I think the best way to fight evil is with empowerment. Yeah. I mean, and even just being empowered, speaking as a, a woman, you know, um, kind of my jujitsu origin story <laughs> was mm. that um, I was put in a very uncomfortable situation and I felt like I didn't have any options. I felt mm. like I couldn't 
either I couldn't do anything or I was going to do like, I was going to like slap somebody in the face or whatever. And I didn't want to do either of those, but those are the only two options I had. And so I, I ended up not doing anything, which just made me really angry, you know? And so I think being able to be empowered for women is also just the matter of having options of being able to know like, okay, well, if I'm in this situation, this person's acting weird, I can do this or this or this, mm-hmm. you know, it's just, it's, and even just being able to tell yourself, okay, well, this person's acting really weird now and I'm starting to feel uncomfortable. So I could, and then mentally list out the things you could do. Even just that is really comforting, honestly. Correct. Like it's like the power to know that if needed, I got this. I know what to do. Exactly. Like with library guy. Yep. With the library like guy. With library like guy. The library guy. <laughs> you know, like <clears throat> I have like all kinds of personalities amongst my children. I had a Kimmy that was always so shy, so introspective, so quiet. And Kenzo, the quite opposite, outgoing, charismatic, and talkative. But Akemi was different. And uh, to see what Jiu-Jitsu did for her, the years that she trained and how much impact her life. You know, she, she even like, even her posture, walking changed. She started walking with that up forward chest and with that head up. Like to see that, like, to see Akemi absolutely terrified, terrified uh, prior to tournament saying, Daddy, I really want to do this, but there are only boys for me to compete with because with kids is different, especially over here in the Midwest, right? Yeah. Adults, you guys compete yeah. with ladies, but with kids, little kids, like boys compete with girls until like they become teenagers and then they start having their own individual divisions. But to see her like literally shaking and say, Dad, I, I'm scared. I don't know if I can do this. There are only boys in my division. And, and to see her rising to the top, you know, like overcoming boys and and to see that empowerment on her and that satisfaction and that uh, confidence arising from the fact that she wasn't only overcoming the boys in the academy during training, now she's doing for real and she's, you know, like really rising to the test and that has a profound impact in a child's life and it did for her on her life and yeah i uh i i think this is this is critical for if if we want to talk about women inclusion and if we want to talk about women having a place in a society well let's talk more about real empowerment and this is what i believe jiu-jitsu can can bring to a lady this is the kind of women like our world needs and the kind of women our our country needs our communities are in need of. And I, I know one of the many ways to to achieve this, in my opinion, the greatest way is through jiu-jitsu. How do we make that happen, Professor? How do we get to that point? Because right now, with the way that um, the jiu-jitsu community is, it's still incredibly male-dominated. Like, How do we get these ladies to come train? Reaching out. We have to keep reaching out. We have to keep talking about jiu-jitsu. We have to keep like leading by example. I think we, we have to get out there. We have to reach out. We have to create events and opportunities. So 
women can learn and know more about jiu-jitsu, we have to be out there. You know, every time I go to work out, I work out either with uh, one of my jiu-jitsu t-shirts or my Companet t-shirts. Every time I'm in a public place, I'm, I'm wearing my GB wear outfit. You know, like every time, every time I'm doing something, I'm, I'm, I'm self-promoting jiu-jitsu because like it's, for me, it's a quest. It's a mission, right? So I think that's really how we overcome barriers. And of course, offering, offering great service and, and constantly working on a, creating a better environment so everybody feels safe. Yeah, and um, I think when you say creating a better environment so everyone feels safe, we have to involve the men in that too. You know, I mean, uh, uh, empowering women, I think, is only going to be possible by also involving the men in the process. Exactly. I agree with you. Just today, I got a text from one of our dear students, Professor Brendan Bates, it was referring a female friend of his and, uh, and her daughter to come and train in our school. Professor Brandon assists me with the kids' classes at Grace Barris Naperville, from which his both daughters train over there. So we do have men involved in empowering the community and trying to get girls involved with jiu-jitsu too. Coach Vince has his girlfriend, Diana, training on the mats with us, and he wants his sisters to, to train on the mats. I, I, I talk to my mother about jiu-jitsu every week. No, I'm I'm too old. I'm on my seven. I said, I don't care. You should have tried. But the only the only person who has made my mother wear a gi and to step on the mats, it was Akimi. It wasn't me. So I think it's like from a female to a female, it's even better. Right? And and yeah. uh, keep fostering the, the female jiu-jitsu community. That's why the Gracie Barra uh, Ambassadors Program of Illinois has a female ambassador, you know, which is well Tori. represented by, by Coach Tori, 100%. You know, that's why she's our ambassador. She's ever active in the community. She has a beautiful women's class going on there. Coach Tyler and Professor Marcão, they are graduating jiu-jitsu girls to a high level of jiu-jitsu. They're rising on the rankings. You know, so we need more females like like her, like Denise, like Jen, like you, like Coach Nene, because you you guys are the very depiction of how much jiu-jitsu can, can help and to empower somebody's life and offer quality of life as well. But how it's really, I think it's time for us to get out of our comfort zones and and reach out, right, to create opportunities outside the box. We're, we're always looking for for causes to advocate for, and there can be no better cause than this. Well said. Yay. Well, Professor, I mean, I, t- I don't know what else to ask you. <laughs> Did you have anything else that you wanted to say before I stop recording? Yes. Yeah. What I want to say is this. I'm yet to see a female who hasn't benefited from jiu-jitsu. Even my existing students and my former students, all of their lives have been changed and changed for better. And I've seen that within my own family too. Even the students that I I don't have any contact with them anymore, or the ones that for any circumstances they went to train, train in other places, in other teams, uh, I saw their lives improving because of the first step they took in our school and because like their, their first contact with jiu-jitsu was done through a message of empowerment and inclusion. And again, I see that 
within my own family, Stacy. I haven't seen a lady that got less confident after doing jiu-jitsu. They always get more confident, happier, fitter, <laughs> yeah. right? Like, and, yeah. and they they have this glowing of you know, fascinating confidence and positivity that you see in most of jiu-jitsu people. So if you are listening to, to this and you haven't tried, you know, find a school that you're comfortable in visiting and go there. Ask if you can at least watch a class and, and see if that's a good fit for you and your family. Thank you so much for the opportunity, Stacey. Yeah. I had a great time. Thank you for being here. I really appreciate you being here. Thank you, Stacey. Have Bye. a great rest of your Sunday. Yeah, we'll talk soon, my friends. See you on the mats. Okay. See you. you. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. All right. I'm so excited. I really, really hope that you guys learned a lot, um, got a lot out of that conversation, that maybe you have new insights on being a female jujitsu practitioner or training with female jujitsu practitioners. And I really hope that this helps to foster a more understanding, more welcoming environment for women everywhere. Now, in terms of announcements, um, it's kind of the same thing. So I can be reached on socials. I have Instagram. Instagram's really the place to, to find me, honestly. I have two Instagram accounts. There's one for the podcast. So if you go to Instagram um, and you search the name, it's at Jujiteros Podcast. There you'll find all sorts of updates. I do posts for the episodes. I do Instagram stories with just little updates and things like that. Uh, reminders, you know, fun little quizzes, countdowns, just, you know, just fun little games and stuff for us to interact together. Um, my DMs are open there if you want to message me. There's also the second Instagram account is the one for me as an athlete. And so that one is just at Jujiteta. Um, and so I've tagged each account in the other one. So you can, all, you know, you can go get to each one. They're also linked in the description box below um, in this episode here. I do have a Facebook page, although I will say the Facebook page, honestly, is just a page. It's kind of just like an announcements page where you can see what, um, like what episodes are being published, like um, any, any fun new stuff. Like when I have, um, when I made the Patreon, I put the Patreon on there. When I made the Buy Me A Coffee profile, I put that on there. When I made my first merch, I put that on there. And so you can you can see those things. And there's link, like links and stuff there too. So you can see those things on the Facebook page. But I'm not like posting, you know, it's not like Instagram. Like I'm not posting to stories, like all that kind of stuff. I mean, I guess you could message me on Facebook, but I'm most responsive in, on Instagram. If you feel like you need to contact me, but you're like, oh, I don't really do the social media thing, then you can email me. So email me at jujiteraspodcast at gmail.com. And that's also linked in the description box below this episode. If you feel like you want to talk to me about anything or reach out to me or be like, hey, I know a person I would really love to see featured on the podcast. Can you contact this person? You know, name whatever contact information, blah, blah, blah. Um, yeah, you can do that there. So that's how to contact me. If you'd like to support the podcast and support what I do here so that I can conduct many more interviews like this, the biggest help you can do is actually 
for free, and that is to listen to all the episodes, sometimes more than once, that, you know, if you have a favorite, just keep re-listening to it. So listen to all the episodes, rate the podcast on whatever platform you're listening to it on, give it a rating, and then also if you have the review feature, leave me a review. I usually check Spotify and Apple Podcasts. Those are the ones I have the best access to. Um, Yeah, and like leave me a review um, or interact with it on Spotify. I know Spotify has that like comment section. Interact with me on Spotify and then I can like read out your feedback on a future podcast episode. Honestly, that really is, you know, and share it. And honestly, that really is the really, really helpful way to support the podcast because the more people listen to the episodes, the the more ratings I have, the more reviews that I have, then that tells the algorithm that people like what I'm doing and it starts to push the podcast into um, like higher up in like the, the list of suggestions, I guess, and then more people can see it. And so that's super, super helpful. Um, if you would like to support me in other ways, I do have a Patreon page. Um, it's Juji Terras Podcast, and I have that linked in the description box of every episode. The Patreon page, you get early ad-free access to every single episode that I produce. You also get special Patreon-only episodes. Um, there are some that depend on what what tier you are of Patreon. So I named mine after the belts. (laughs) I named mine after the belts. So there's like white belts, blue belts, purple belts, brown belts, and black belts. You know, I thought I was super clever. So that's what I did. Um, But basically, everybody, white belts and up, everybody gets the early ad-free access to every single episode that I produce. Everybody, white belts and up, all get access to the... um, Spilling the Tea special series where I talk about my life once upon a time working in hospitality and all the craziness that was there. You also get access to another special series that I didn't think out the name well enough because I used a word in there that I can't really see on the air. Um, But that series is a series where I discuss like like the weird and awkward and goofy stuff that happens. And if you go to my Patreon page, you should be able to find the name of that series. Yeah, I should have thought that out better. But anyway, here we are. So there's that. Um, if you're a blue belt and up, you, you get exclusive access to the mental health series, where I have several postings in there already um, chatting about mental health struggles we go through. I am planning more long-form content in that series. Right now I just have some short videos because usually when stuff comes up I want to just record a video of myself and upload it, but Patreon only allows two-minute videos. So I have three or four of those two-minute videos so far just chatting with you guys about stuff. Um, But I do have longer-form ones coming. And then Purple Belt and Up, you guys get access to the special series um, Raw and Unedited, where I post interviews because I do the interviews well before I like post them right so oh this interview I don't think I said this in the beginning the interview you just heard with Professor Carlos I very clearly was sick so this was back in January beginning of January when I was just sick with whatever nasty respiratory thing there was anyway so I record these interviews 
well before I post them and um, or before you know they go live on the feed. So the raw and unedited series for Purple Belts and Up is basically I record the interview and then like I'll upload it there. So I mean eventually you will get the edited <laughs> version with the intros, the outros, the music, all the things. So you can you can hear what they have to say and then you get to hear it again later when it's polished up and nice. So anyway, so okay, so that's Patreon. Like I got a lot going on on Patreon over there, you guys. So Patreon, you get access to all that stuff starting at just $3 a month if that's something you want to do. And I can give you guys a shout out too over here on podcast episodes. I shout out my patron on Patreon all the time, Ann Foster. She's the host of Vulgar History Podcast. I was listening to her podcast before I ever created mine. She's a huge inspiration for me even being brave enough to do this in the first place. And I adore her and I appreciate her and I will shout her out every time. And if you would like to have a shout out as well, you can join the Patreon and I will shout you out a special thank you on a podcast episode. Okay, that was a lot of information. That was really long, but you know what? I have a lot going on on Patreon. How else can you support the podcast like monetarily? I have merch! I have merch! I'm so excited. I have my logo on a t-shirt and on stickers and magnets and coffee mugs and whatever else you want. I have my logo. I'm so excited. I bought myself a logo t-shirt and I also bought myself a logo sticker and I'm literally holding my water bottle up as if you can see me right now. (laughs) You can't. But I have a sticker on my water bottle and I'm super excited about it. Um, I also designed myself kind of like an alternative podcast logo type of thing specifically for the merch store because not everybody (laughs) wants my face on a (laughs) t-shirt. So if that's you, if you're like, you know what, I would support you. Like I'll buy like a sticker or whatever, but I don't want your face on it. Then maybe the other one would be good for you. So you can check that out. It's my tea public store. I will link that in the description below. Everything will be linked below so that you can just scroll and click. Um, oh, if you guys find that a link is broken, I really, really need you all to tell me because I've scrolled through some of my past episodes and I've tried clicking on some of the links and like it doesn't work. And I'm just like, what in the world? So please let me know if you click on a link and it doesn't work so that I can fix it right away. Okay, I think that is about all that I have for you today. Thank you for being here during this little interlude in the middle of season two. And we will be back next time with another awesome interview. Stay safe and be well, and I will see you next time. Bye. Thank you so much for listening. If you would like to connect with me while you wait for the next podcast episode, find me on Instagram at Jujiteras Podcast and at Jujitera. I'm also on Facebook at Jujiteras Podcast. You could also email me at Jujiteraspodcast at gmail.com. If you would like to support me in this podcast, you can visit me on Patreon at Jujiteras Podcast, where you get early ad-free access to all episodes plus some bonus content. You could also find me on buymeacoffee.com at Jujiteras Pod. Thank you so much for listening. Remember to rate and review. See you next time.